Hello, and welcome to an episode of Cat the Baker. I'm Chef KB. Usually I wake up pretty early anyway, because I'm always doing something before work. I either go to body pump, I go swimming, except I hurt myself yesterday going hiking. I'll go into that later. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to lay in bed a little bit. I don't have to get up early. I was going to do body pump, but I injured my knee. So I was just laying in bed and I thought, okay, let me go check out Instagram. Let me just lay here. So I'm looking through Instagram and then this ad comes up for like some dating app. I already forgot the name of it. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, early morning brain. I'm like, okay, yeah, let me sign up. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's been a while. It's been a while since my last dating app, which didn't go great. Let me just say that. You know, and I've met a couple people naturally in person, but that also didn't go great. Okay, so I sign up, put up a profile picture, and yeah, the picture looked good. Literally, like three minutes later, I have five messages, three men want to video chat, and I'm like, what is happening? Like, I just signed up. I still have my mouth guard in <laughs> my mouth. <laughs> I just woke up. I'm like, what is going on? I'm not video chatting anybody. And also, before I paid, it's like $20. So I'm thinking, yeah, $20 if you find like a decent person is not bad, you know, a month. So before I sign up, I'm looking, there's men, it says, in the area. So I'm like, okay, you know, this is good because it's hard to find people in the area. This is a small town. The next thing I know, I sign up. The guy that I was looking at, who supposedly is in the area, is not. He lives somewhere else. And I get a message from him. He messages me right away. I'm like, yeah, you know, he's cute. And I'm like, where do you live? And he says, Germany. I'm like, what? <laughs> I was like, you're just visiting Germany? You actually live in Colorado? He's like, no, I live in Germany. And, and then he's like, but does true love really have a distance? And I'm like thinking, yeah, it does. Like, I've done long distance, I know. Five minutes later, I asked to quit. I asked to cancel and delete my profile. <laughs> so <laughs> that was my morning. So last night I saw Indiana Jones which is a recap of my childhood. I grew up with Indiana Jones, and in England, we'd go to the movie theater as a family. It was an event. Indiana Jones was the must-see movie. You know, Harrison Ford was hot, <laughs> and I was like 12. And I remember everywhere it was sold out. There were three movies in the area where we lived in England. And in England, the ratings are, or were, I don't know what they are now, but they were age 12. So you know how in the US you have an R, for rated R. In England, it was 12, 15, and 18. Like, those are the ratings. And I think Indiana Jones was 12. You know, sometimes it was super strict, more strict than in the US. Like, here you can bring crying babies into a rated R. I don't even know how that's possible, but it happens. So we'd go to see Indiana Jones. The movie theater was huge, and it was all completely fully packed. And then you didn't have seat assignments. Everyone just sat anywhere. 
and some people were even sitting on the steps. I'm like, I don't know how that's possible. Um, <laughs> but it was the must-see movie. And there were even curtains by the movie screen. You know, like now you just have the screen. Growing up, there were curtains. They opened, you saw previews, then the curtains would close again and reopen for the movie. So it was like extra, you know, it was like extra special. Oh, now the movie's going to start. The curtains are closing and now they're going to reopen again. Like, you just waited for them to reopen, you know, and everything got super dark in the theater. And you're like, yes, you know, like all of a sudden the surround sound would start. And um, yeah, even then you had surround sound, you know, that was a thing. And then they'd open for real. And then the movie played. You never had ads or anything like that. Like that came maybe... I want to say like 20 years ago, before that point, you never had ads. So it was a big deal. You know, when the curtains opened, you're like, oh, my God, it's going to start. <laughs> and uh, oh, my God, you know, because I'm in England. So <laughs> but we're all going out as a family, you know, and we all speak German with each other. So we're like, yes, it's fängt an. So um, that was its beginning in German. Anyway, it was a huge thing. And we'd all be excited for Indiana Jones. So I see the new Indiana Jones last night. And first of all, I saw the trailer because I got there a little bit early for Mission Impossible. I just want to say Tom Cruise is amazing. <laughs> that preview got me so revved up. I love Tom Cruise. I've always loved him. Yes, the whole cult thing is weird. But him as a person... I mean, I don't know him as a person, but him as an actor, I think, is amazing. Like, he's so passionate, and I love passionate people, you know? I mean, yes, you can be passionate to an extreme, but the fact that he does all his own stunts, and he's, I don't know, how old is he? Like, 55? 60? I don't know, but how amazing is that? Like, I want to be 70 and still be pole dancing, still be hiking up in the middle of nowhere. Maybe it's not safe. I don't know. But I just love how passionate he is. And I'm super excited for the new Mission Impossible. Also, something I grew up with. Like, not the TV show, because that was in the 60s. That was, like, before my time, even. But I grew up with Tom Cruise when he did that first Mission Impossible. You know, when he's balancing on that string and he's trying not to touch the floor because there are sensors on the floor. That was the first Mission Impossible. And now, mid-July, there's going to be another one, and I'm super excited. Okay, so I see the Indiana Jones. It's made in the exact same style as it was growing up, which was cool, you know? Like, it was, it was a good movie. It's basically done the exact same way as the other movies growing up. But now just the technology is better. Now you can have more effects. You know, they even made Harrison Ford look super young in flashbacks. But you know what's weird is, yes, Indiana Jones is always about Nazis and war. Basically, whenever you have a movie, like an American movie, that's about anything to do with Germany, it's always about Nazis. <laughs> and, like even when I did the voiceover for video games, it was always about Nazis, you know, and I speak German. So I was always in war video games. 
you know, and I'm thinking, okay, like, I get it. I get it. It was bad. I feel like Germany has so much more to offer. <laughs> you know? But anyway, it's always the lead characters in the Indiana Jones movies that speak crappy German. Because, yes, they're not German and they're the celebrity, right? It's always the extras or the people you don't pay attention to that are really German and they speak better German than the actual celebrities. And then you look at the dubbing, like the writing, what they're supposed to be saying, and it's completely different than what they are saying. It's just always funny because obviously I understand what the actors are saying in German and it doesn't match with what's written on the bottom of the screen. Which is funny too because when I would go into the movies living in Germany, and I think I've probably mentioned this before, but like when Wesley Snipes was huge or Bruce Willis, I think Wesley Snipes and Bruce Willis had the same voice. Like it was the same German actor, you know, that would do certain celebrities and speak in German. So yeah, Bruce Willis had the same voice as Wesley Snipes. Possibly Sylvester Stallone. I don't know. It was like the same guy. And as I'm watching it, I'm saying to my brother, oh, Wesley Snipes is the same as Bruce Willis, you know? Die haben die selbe Stimme. All these flashbacks came to me when I was watching Indiana Jones. But it was a very good movie. It was enjoyable. I got more into it toward the end. And at the end, it was super sweet. It was such a sweet ending. And I love... I love nice endings, really. <laughs> like, there's so much depression and negative things that happen. When I see a happy ending in a movie, I'm like, oh, like, I needed that. <laughs> I needed that. Harrison Ford, I think, still looks really good. And he's what, like 70? I don't know, but he looks great. So anyway, the real reason of this episode is I was going through my storage unit in Arizona a couple months ago. So I know I've like talked about this a few times, but when I moved to Arizona from Palm Springs, I had an apartment and I put all my stuff into storage. It was a temporary thing. And I moved to Arizona to help my mom. She wasn't doing well. You know, I lived in a room basically in my mom's house. What I thought was temporary was not temporary. Like after Palm Springs, I was there I want to say like seven more years. It was a while. And then I finally left for Switzerland. When you're living with family, health-wise, she was sometimes better, sometimes worse. And then, you know, she got used to me being there. Like I was there so long. It's like, okay, I'm like stuck here. I can't leave. You know what I mean? Like that's how I felt. And it was actually for me like... There were positive things that happened. You know, that's when I was working in Arizona and the pastries were selling where I was working at the cafe. And it was good, you know, and I was pole dancing and that's when I started pole dancing there. And I thought, is this my life? Am I destined for this? I was so motivated to leave, you know, and I tried everything. And sometimes when you try frantically, when you try so much, nothing happens you know it's like you just have to kind of sit back sometimes and wait for things to happen or start happening because if you try in all directions i feel like it's even worse you know you're just pushing things away from you instead of letting them in anyway i left palm springs and 
In Palm Springs, I had my two cats die. One of them was Raphael. He was a stray. And he basically, when I lived with my roommate in New Jersey, he was given to us by a friend of my roommate's. Like, she found him in a box in, like, the median or something of a highway. But she couldn't keep him because she was in a college dorm. So anyway, we got him. He was a little shit when we got him because he was, he was constantly scared he wouldn't get fed again. Everything we ate, he tried to steal from us. And he was violent. Like, he was really violent. After a while, he realized, okay, there's enough food coming. It's fine. I ended up keeping him. So I lived in New Jersey. From New Jersey, I moved to L.A., from LA, I moved to Arizona. From Arizona, I moved to Palm Springs. From Palm Springs, I moved back to Arizona. And anyway, he did he did all that with me, except for the last time I moved to Arizona. And he got diabetes a few years prior. Yeah, I took care of him in Palm Springs. I would have to change his fluids and check his blood sugar. And he ended up dying. So I was out and I came back and he was dead on the dining room table. I panicked, you know, I quickly took him to the vet and it was too late. He had already been dead for a couple of hours. So anyway, I had him cremated. I kept a box, you know, this cute little wooden box, handmade. There he was, you know, his ashes were inside this box. I had another cat, Gabriel, same thing. Like I got him in New Jersey when I lived in Jersey City. He was a stray. And basically his mom left him. Like he was a little kitten and he was meowing so much that he lost his voice. Basically, he was stuck in the backyard of the apartment that we were staying, me and my roommate, and I took him in. He was panicking. He wanted to get back with his mom, but his mom wasn't there. Like she didn't come back and he lost his voice meowing, you know, but he he was a wild cat. He wasn't domesticated. Like, he was he was wild. You know, I feel like for generations, his whole generational line, ancestry, has been wild stray cats. But he lived, you know, a good amount of time, and he moved with me. So it was Gabriel and Raphael. And he was so shocked when he saw Raphael die on the dining room table that when I came back, maybe a couple weeks later... I opened the door to the patio and he went out and he jumped up on a wall and he turned around and looked at me and I looked at him and I, I had this weird feeling like, why is he looking at me like that? And that was the last time I saw him. <laughs> God, so friggin' sad. But that was in Palm Springs and he got run over and he had tags on and I was called saying that you know they found him and they wrapped him up because he smelled so bad he started to decompose so anyway I had him cremated so now I have two of these cute little handmade wooden boxes and his remains were in there and then I packed everything up you know I moved everything from Palm Springs to Arizona put put it in my storage in Arizona I had another cat so I, I had three cats and a dog. 
you know, all these pets, which is weird because now I have zero pets. So I had Lucy, who I also had in New Jersey, and she was a stray. Like, there are lots of strays in in the tri-state area. And anyway, she was trapped in the yard that I was staying in, like the apartment yard. And Lucy was a runt. Like, she had all these infections, and she was a kitten. She was super anxious and scared, and basically her mom left her. You know, like, she was sick. And I trapped her in, like, a cat carrier. I put food in there, and she went in. I closed the cage. And I took her to the vet. And the vet said she had, like, five infections. Within a few days, she would have died. She didn't, because, you know, I spent money to help save her. And then the vet was like, are you going to keep her? I'm like, yeah, I just spent, like, $300. (laughs) Like, yeah, I'm going to keep her. So Lucy, she would spit. Like if she got super like annoyed, she made these like little spitting sounds. And it was the funniest thing. She was super sweet and same thing. She moved with me to the West Coast. But then she lived longer than the others, obviously, because she was also younger when I got her. She died in my arms, which I talked about before. And she got sick. I think she had like a, a lung thing. And she also had a cataract in her eye. But she died, so I had her cremated. She was put in a little wooden box as well. (laughs) So see, I have a collection now of all these little wooden boxes. Next thing, there's Cassie. Cassie was my dog. My ex-husband, he had anxiety, and he wanted to get uh, like one of those therapy dogs. Um, His therapist suggested get a therapy dog. Of course, he picks the one dog that has crazy anxiety, just like him. And that's Cassie. She had so much anxiety. Like she would follow me everywhere. Like literally when I would walk, her nose would touch my legs, you know, and I always knew she was there. She would just always walk behind me. She was my dog. Like I fed her, I walked her. My ex really didn't do anything with her. So when I left you know, and got divorced and everything, like, I took her with me. And there was this whole, like, custody battle because of her. Like, it was crazy. But I ended up keeping her. She was a Shetland sheepdog slash terrier. So she had this terrier body, and she had these fragile little, like, Sheltie sheepdog legs and tail. And she was the cutest thing. She would love paw massages, like she would sit on her back feet and I would rub her front paws and she would make these grunts because she loved paw massages and she had these cute little fluffy ears and she loved ear rubs and I just loved the smell of her ears. (laughs) You know how sometimes like even with people, you know, you fall in love with somebody, you love like something weird about them. You know, like, (laughs) I mean, everybody's, everybody's kind of weird, right? I mean, I'm sure I have weird things too, but we don't realize they're weird. Anyway, so I just love the smell of her ears and I would like rub her ears and she died in Arizona and that was horrible. Like she was in this oxygen tank, like all her organs were failing and she could only live with oxygen. And the minute I took her out, Like, her head flopped back, and, uh, yeah, like, she died in my arms. Like, it was the saddest thing. So now, you know, I get her cremated. 
she goes in this handmade wooden box as well. <laughs> so I have all these wooden boxes. And when I moved to Switzerland, I put everything in my storage unit. You know, from Switzerland, I moved to New York. I basically, I never get back to my things until just a couple months ago. I sorted through everything. It was horrible. It was this traumatic event because I just felt suffocated by so many things. And um, I went through so much stuff. Some things I was super happy to see again, you know, and some things I'm like, why? Why did I keep this? You know, but I found all of these wooden boxes, all of my pets <laughs> that are now dust. You know, I have no space in my apartment to put things anywhere. And I don't understand, like, what's the point of putting all these ashes in a shelf? Like, yes, I loved them. Of course I did. Am I going to save my dead pets too and just have the ashes in my shelf? Like that seems kind of morbid, right? Like it seems kind of sad. I kept all these little wooden boxes and I thought, I'm going to go on a hike. Like I live in this beautiful area. It's summer. Like right now I love this area so much in the summer. And I thought I'm going to go on a hike and I'm going to release all the ashes on top of a mountain. And that's what I did. I drove to Independence Pass. And first of all, these aren't just boxes that you can open up and the ashes are there. No, like these boxes, they all have keys. Like I have to unlock them. I unlock them and inside the ashes are sealed. Like I need scissors to open it up. One of the boxes is screwed in. I have to unscrew to get to the ashes. It was a 20 minute thing just to get to all these ashes, you know? And I knew that when I'm on top of the mountain, I'm probably gonna be sad and emotional. So I have to do it all before I go on this hike. So I did. Like, I loosened all the boxes, I unlocked them, and I took out all the ashes. I hiked to the top of this mountain on Independence Pass. Like, Independence Pass is my favorite area to hike. There's so many beautiful hikes, but it's also the area around Aspen that is only open for like four months out of the year because every other time there's snow and, and the road is closed. It's a very narrow road, but there's the most beautiful hiking trails. And at the top, there's always these lakes and they look so crystal blue because of the sky reflecting. Anyway, so I walk to the top of this mountain, one of my favorite trails. There's still some snow and it's melting and there's so much water, all these waterfalls. And there's this one area where I'm trying to go, like even higher to the top of this mountain above the lake, but there's so much water that it's kind of blocking the trail. So I, I switch with my feet and step on the rocks so I don't, you know, get into the water. And as I'm doing it, I kind of twist my knee weird. So like a few months ago when I went skiing on one of these ski dates, I fell and I injured my knee. And since then, I've been having a few issues. So now, I don't know, I re-injured it or I did something weird while I was trying to avoid my foot getting wet in my hiking boots. I twisted it and it made this cracking sound. And then I basically, I basically fell 
kind of half into the water. So that didn't work. I should have just walked through the water and not twisted my knee, strangely. So anyway, I'm like, damn it. Like, this sucks. And also, if something major happens while you're hiking, there's no cell phone service. I'm in the middle of nowhere. There's nobody else. You know, some people were hiking here and there, but not on this trail. So I'm like, okay, let me just sit for a second. You know, I continue going up the mountain a little bit, but then I get to this point and it's completely blocked off by snow And I'm thinking, okay, I could walk over it, but I look down and the snow just slopes down the mountain. And if if something happens, I would basically fall down this mountain, like on the snow. So I'm like, okay, I don't want to (laughs) die. So let me just stop here. And I stopped. It was above the lake, but um, it was right before this whole snowy area. And I took out all of the little wooden boxes with my pets. And I said something about each one of them. You know how people say time heals everything? I mean, yes and no. It's less sensitive, maybe, the longer the time goes. But if you think of that person or that pet, you're right back where you left off with them. It's like I can look back and remember myself, you know, 20 years ago. Like, time exists, but it also doesn't, you know? Not in your head. I mean, and the older you get, you're like, where does the time go? Like, (laughs) but, so it's like when I thought about each of these pets, all this time had gone by. Like, Raphael was in this wooden box. He was in my storage this whole time, you know, for like nine years because with Switzerland and New York, probably 10. I don't know. He was probably in my in this wooden box in my storage for 10 years. And I'm thinking, God, like, I want something better for them, not just in this wooden box in storage where mice were making nests in my clothes, you know? <laughs> like, so I released them all, and I just wanted them to be in one of the most beautiful areas in the world. I mean, this area is so pristine, So I go and put all these cremated pets on top of a mountain, but (laughs) I, I opened all the bags and I, they blew in the wind and some of it on me, but you know, that, (laughs) that, that can be avoided. Like same, same with my mom, you know, when she passed, she was cremated. We didn't have a plot or anything like that. And we basically spread her ashes in the woods where she always walked. I guess we have gravestones and and things like that for people, you know, so that they feel like they have a place to go to, a place to talk or mourn. But for me, when I want to feel better, I go out hiking. I go out in nature, you know? So I thought, what, what better place for my loved ones, for my pets, than to be spread in the mountains, you know, in the most beautiful area in the world. So that's what I did. I spread my dog and my three cats, and I thank them for the time they spent with me. You know, it's like when when pets start to get sick, you know, you know things are going in the wrong direction, but you want them to be better, you know? So in the last few months, you bring them to the vet, you do anything for them to feel better again, and then they don't. Like, things go in the wrong direction. 
you know, so it's like the last the last month you spend so much money at the vet, you know, and even when like my mom got sick or my pets got sick, it's like you you have a routine. You give them these pills, you give them these fluids, you do this and that, and you have a whole routine and it takes up like an extra couple hours of your day. But then they die and all of a sudden that whole routine is gone. You know, and you feel like, oh, like this is weird. Like now I have extra hours, you know, and, and I don't know what to do with myself. But, you know, and this sounds weird, but you miss them so much that you don't mind all the things you did for them, you know, when they were sick. Like, I'd rather do all these things to have them still be alive than not do any of it and then be dead, <laughs> you know, like, because you just love them, you know, but then you find other things to fill your time with, which, I mean, now I'm by myself. I don't have any pets. I'm still able to fill the day, <laughs> you know, like, like, yeah, I just have plants and and herbs that I that I water you know I have to have something to to watch and to take care of I sat there thinking of my pets you know and the time I had with them and the joy they brought me yeah it was pretty emotional it was pretty uh intense even though like they'd been gone for such a long time it didn't matter but I felt like it was the right thing now they're in the mountains and uh I hiked back down and that was a bit rough because of my knee. So yeah, <laughs> today I'm definitely feeling my knee. You know, it sucks when you are in the middle of the mountains, the middle of nowhere, and then you injure yourself. The thing is, you have to make it back. You have to still get back to your car. And uh, that doesn't help your knee. So today I'm gonna go to the hot springs, the natural hot springs, which is outside of Aspen. Maybe that'll help. So flash forward, this is me recording later, and I did go to the hot springs in um, Carbondale outside of it. So they're called Penny Hot Springs, and they're natural. They're in the river, and you have this beautiful view of the whole side of the mountain. It's kind of like the other side of Aspen, if you will, and you just see all these peaks and it's so beautiful. So I went into the water and it was super, super hot on one side. And this man was shifting around the rocks because it was too hot to get in. It was burning. It was that hot. So he changed out the rocks so that the cold water from the river could come in and that it would even out, you know, the boiling water. And he did. He did a really good job. So I was in there probably an hour and I put my knee in. It felt really nice. And then I left when I left and, you know, throughout the hot springs, there's all these people that come and go and everybody's just hanging out. And then when I left, I was driving and I could feel the difference. It was like this heat that just stayed in my knee and it just felt more relaxed. You know, because natural hot springs, they're just the minerals so what i'm reading is soaking in hot springs can be a great way to naturally detox your skin thanks to the high amount of silica in the water and it can also soften rough or dry skin plus the mineral content of sulfur in the springs has been shown to help persisting skin conditions like psoriasis also also going in hot springs is good for the joints 
It produces hydrostatic pressure on the body that results in reduced joint inflammation and increased mobility. So it's good for arthritis too. Anyway, there's benefits. <laughs> so, and I felt it. I felt a difference, which is why I thought, yeah, hot springs. And these are natural hot springs, so they're free. But I ended up going and it was lovely. And then because I felt better, I was like, oh, let me cook. <laughs> like, I had nothing planned before. And then I decided to make Korean short ribs, which I put in the Instant Pot. I don't know if I've talked about the Instant Pot before. I feel like I have, but it is a must buy for anybody who enjoys making stocks, soups, any kind of meats. You can put any meat in there. It's basically, it's a pressure cooker, but you can also saute in it. You can make yogurt in it. You can cook cake in it, which I haven't because, I mean, I bake cake every day at work. I haven't made it at home yet. And it's just weird for me to put it in a pressure cooker. Like, I feel like it would work. I just haven't done it yet. But I love the Instant Pot for everything else and it works great. <laughs> so on that note, before I continue to ramble, thank you for listening to an episode of Cat the Baker. I'm Chef KB. And just keep those you love close. Nothing is around forever. Everything changes constantly. And it's up to us to make the most of it. To not take things for granted. And to live in the present. To do the things you love and not put them off. And I know that's hard because there's always guilt involved and family involved and just make the most of it. Until next time, I'm Chef KB. Please join me on Instagram at Chef KB or on YouTube for Cat the Baker. <laughs> <laughs>